Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Gittleman Syndrome, found under the renal section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 5-year-old boy is brought to the pediatrician for muscle aches and pains. He denies any recent trauma. On review of systems, he endorses increased thirst and increased urinary frequency. Laboratory exam reveals hypomagnesemia and normal potassium. His urine studies demonstrate decreased calcium. He is sent home on magnesium supplements and plans for future genetic testing. Let's continue with an introduction to Gittleman syndrome. Clinically, this is defined as a renal tubular defect affecting the distal convoluted tubules, characterized by mild hypokalemia, mild metabolic alkalosis, significant hypomagnesemia, and normal blood pressure. In terms of the epidemiology, this is pretty rare and occurs in 1 in 40,000 people. Demographically, it is detected in young children, but can be detected in adulthood. Risk factors include consanguinity, and in terms of the pathogenesis, there is a mutation involving the sodium chloride cotransporter, which results in impaired sodium reabsorption in the distal convoluted tubule. With regards to the genetics, the inheritance pattern is typically autosomal recessive. There are mutations on the long arm of chromosome 16 in position 13, and the specific gene is the SLC12A3 gene. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms include polyuria, polydipsia, muscle weakness or cramping, fatigue, paresthesias, abdominal pain, and vomiting. On exam, growth is often normal but can be delayed. In terms of further studies, labs will demonstrate hypokalemia, which is lower than in barters, hypomagnesemia, metabolic alkalosis, and genetic testing is the most definitive diagnosis. Urine studies will demonstrate decreased calcium. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about other renal tubular defects, such as Fanconi syndrome, Barter syndrome, and Little syndrome. With regards to treatment, conservative options include optimizing electrolytes with diet or supplements. This is indicated for those with hypokalemia or hypomagnesemia. Medical options include non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. This is indicated for patients who require medical therapy beyond dietary supplements. Specific drugs include indomethacin and silicoxib. Another option is potassium-sparing diuretics. This is indicated to treat hypokalemia and metabolic alkalosis. Specific drugs include amiloride and diplerinone. And lastly, complications related to Gittleman syndrome include cardiac arrhythmia due to hypomagnesemia and hypokalemia and chondrocalcinosis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Gittleman syndrome, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. An 11-year-old boy presents to his pediatrician with muscle cramps and fatigue that have progressively worsened over the past year. His mom says that he has always had occasional symptoms, including abdominal pain, muscle weakness, and mild paresthesias. However, since starting middle school, these symptoms have started interfering with his daily activities. In addition, The boy complains that he has been needing to use the restroom a lot, which is annoying since he has to ask for permission to leave class every time. 
Labs are obtained showing hypokalemia, hypochloremia, metabolic alkalosis, hypomagnesemia, and hypocalcuria. The most likely cause of this patient's symptoms involves a protein that binds to which of the following drugs? And the answer choices are Choice 1, amylaride. Choice 2, furosemide. Choice 3, hydrochlorothiazide. Choice 4, mannitol. Or choice 5, spironolactone. The best answer to this question is choice 3, hydrochlorothiazide. This patient with polyuria, muscle cramps, and fatigue, with findings of hypokalemia and hypocalcuria, most likely has Gittleman syndrome. The syndrome involves a mutation of a sodium chloride cotransport channel. These channels bind hydrochlorothiazide. Gittleman syndrome is caused by an autosomal recessive defect in the sodium chloride cotransport channel located in the distal convoluted tubule of the nephron. Defects in this channel therefore lead to impaired fluid reabsorption and results in polyuria starting at a young age. Furthermore, since more fluid is presented to the collecting duct, a potassium and acid-wasting segment, patients also present with hypokalemia and metabolic alkalosis. Aberrant magnesium handling by the kidney also leads to hypomagnesemia in this disorder. Finally, transcellular sodium-calcium exchange is potentiated by this defect, leading to hypocalcuria. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Amylaride binds to the epithelial sodium channels located in the collecting duct. A mutation in this channel leads to Little syndrome, which presents with hypertension. Choice 2. Furosemide binds to the sodium-potassium chloride triple transporters located in the loop of Henle. A mutation in this channel leads to Barter syndrome, which would present with hypercalcuria due to the defective paracellular calcium reabsorption. Choice 4. Mannitol is an osmotic diuretic that primarily works in the proximal convoluted tubule. Defects in this segment can lead to Fanconi syndrome that presents with aminoacidemia. Choice 5. Spironolactone binds to aldosterone receptors in the collecting duct. Mutations in this protein can lead to mineral corticoid insensitivity that would present with hyperkalemia. Finally, a bullet summary. Gittleman syndrome is caused by a mutation to sodium chloride transporters located in the distal convoluted tubule. That's all for this review about Gittleman syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.